This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Football Odyssey, part of the Sports History Network. This is your host, Aaron Harris. On today's episode, we welcome back Charlie Engelke. Charlie is a diehard Buffalo Bills fan and was the first guest to appear on the podcast. In this episode, Charlie and I look back at the 2020 NFL season, discuss the long-awaited postseason success of the Buffalo Bills, our thoughts on Super Bowl 55, and much more. If you enjoyed our conversation, subscribe and share, and reach out to me at thefootballodyssey.com or at thesportshistorynetwork.com. And, as always... Thank you for listening. I got to give uh, congratulations because you are actually the first recurring guest that we have on the Football Odyssey. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, this is a show with no budget, so there's no prize. <laughs> but if we, were, if we were face-to-face, I'd give you a handshake. But for now, <laughs> the, the verbal bouquet will have to do. Huh. I'll take it. That's awesome. So the last time that you were on, we were talking about – um, the NFL possibly going through with the season, possibly not. It was all dependent on COVID. Well, as it turns out, the NFL made it through the whole season. Uh, there were some hiccups, but they got through it. We never had a week without football. How impressed were you that they actually pulled it off? Uh, I'm pretty amazed. I didn't think I, – I mean, th- the fact that not even one game was canceled is uh, is pretty wild to me. I figured – I figured there was going to get to a point where they're going to have to cancel games. And um, I don't, I don't know how that would have worked out. It seemed like they didn't really give themselves uh, much of a, of a safety net uh, in terms of scheduling. So, yeah, I mean, obviously um, they, they had, they moved around a lot of games, um, but uh, how they didn't miss a beat. Well, I don't want to say miss a beat, but miss one game throughout the whole year was pretty incredible. I did not expect that. Yeah, I was always confident that they were going to start the season, but the fact that they were able to finish, and obviously you had you know some games that were moved to weekdays, which was kind of the, uh, I guess the bright spot. You know, we got some Tuesday night football, some Wednesday night football. Yeah. So it was some different stuff, but I I think ultimately they really did as good of a job as you could possibly do. Yeah, yeah, I, I was really really impressed with that. So you're sporting your Bills hat. This was a very special year for Bill's Mafia. Um, and obviously, the I guess the ultimate goal fell short by one game. Uh, but I think by all accounts, you would have to consider it a successful season, yeah? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Um, this season was, you know, was a dream, um, you know, just because it had been – you know, the Bills hadn't, you know, hadn't made the AFC championship game in 27 years. That was the last year they went to the Super Bowl in 1993. So, um, you know, getting that far and then, you know, win the championship or winning the AFC East championship for the first time in 25 years, um, winning uh, uh, our first playoff game in 25 years. I mean, it's I expected the Bills to to improve from from 2019 when they went, when they went 10 and six, but I didn't expect a 13 and three record, especially with, with, uh, with the schedule that we had, you know, playing the AFC West and the NFC West, you know, arguably the two strongest divisions in football, um, you know, on top of our own division, Um, our, our schedule, you know, at first glance uh, was really, really 
daunting um, and, it, and it was tough. You know, some teams might not have been as good as well, what people thought, but um, I mean, it, like just the, the, the progress that the team made, uh, especially offensively with Josh Allen was, uh, was nothing short of amazing. And then, you know, seeing them, uh, you know, ride that wave through the playoffs and get all the way to the AFC championship game. Um, it was incredible. Obviously, you know, it was disappointing for us not to win, especially, the way that game went, you know, uh, you know, we got handled pretty good by the Chiefs, but it was, uh, oh my gosh, what an awesome, awesome season! It was uh, much needed in the year 2020, that's for sure. <laughs> it, like going into Week One, did you kind of have like a, a benchmark for what would be a successful season? I mean, you mentioned that improving off their 10-6 record, but did you say, you know, if they win their first playoff game, that will be a success, or did you think that the team could even be better than that? Yeah, so. Uh, which is which is how everything was looking with New England. Um, I know last time we spoke, I thought you know Cam Newton was going to be more effective. I thought they're going to be better than they were, but you know, it, you know, without Tom Brady, you know, they looked vulnerable. But you know, they still got Belichick and a super talented defense. So, um, you know, first and foremost, we wanted to win the division, and uh, we won that a lot easier than what I thought. Cause I didn't even think that was a guarantee. I just thought it was, we were in a really good position to do that. Um, and then, yeah, definitely win a playoff game. Um, you know, cause last year we made it and didn't look great against Houston. I uh, had the game and blew it. Um, so yeah, winning one and then uh, not just, not just winning one and getting blown out in the divisional round. I, like me personally, I wanted to win the division, win the wild card game and then farewell and the, uh, in the divisional round and ideally win, but you know, if we were going to play well in that, in that, in that round and lose, that would have been another, you know, a big step in the right direction for the, for the team, but um, getting as far as they did. And um, I mean, not only the 13, three record dominated the way they did in their last three regular season games, they averaged, um, I think it was 47 points a game, which is, which is crazy. Um, you know, one of those games we played, uh, you know, Miami and it was the most expensive secondary in the NFL and, I mean, just as the season ended, um, you know, the Bills were just absolutely stomping people, which was which was uh, which was awesome to see. And then, yeah, and then in the postseason, um, all three of our games were tough. Obviously, lost the last one, but you know, Indy Indy showed up and played super super well. They had a brilliant game plan and was executed almost to perfection. Uh, we're able to squeak out that win, and then Baltimore came in rolling. I mean, they were probably the hottest team in the NFL next to the Bills. Um, and then we know we're able to beat them. So um, way, they way surpassed my expectations. Um, and I think, you know, I'm speaking for most of, uh, uh, you know, Bill's Mafia, if not all Bill's Mafia and, uh, you know, uh, you know, Bill's uh, beat reporters and whatnot. I don't think anybody really expected this. I think a lot of people thought it was a possibility, but I don't I don't think anybody thought it was going to come to fruition the way it did. Did you have any, I guess, concerns or maybe fears that that was just kind of like a one-year, uh, kind of like a one-year success story that they got to the wild card, they lost, and then you know this year would kind of be a return to like a seven and nine record? Or did you think that this team actually had a good foundation to really do something? Uh, no, I fully expected them to to take a, a major step forward because uh, last year. Um, last year was the first time we had a bunch of really good pieces in place because when Brandon Bean. Uh, and Sean McDermott took over the team. Uh, we had some talented players, but there were guys that didn't want to be here. Um, our salary cap was a complete mess. So, you know, we ditched a lot of talent to get in a better position financially. And then 
um, you know, to get the right guys in the locker room. Cause a lot of those guys on that team, you know, Marcel Darius, Sammy Watkins, those guys, I don't think they ever really enjoyed being in Buffalo. Um, and you know, the results on the field were not, were not great. So, you know, they had to completely switch over the roster and then the year. So in 2018, you know, we went six and 10, uh, you know, we had, we had nothing. Uh, we had, we had Josh Allen and like a handful of other players. And then last year having Cole Beasley and John Brown, seeing the difference those guys made, you know, our, our draft classes were playing well. And, you know, Josh was in year number two and he was making, you know, making strides, but not there yet. So I knew with all that, and then, you know, adding a guy like Stefan Diggs, um, I knew that was going to be big. I had no idea how huge it would be in year one. We drafted well again, guys like Gabriel Davis, you know, fifth round pick catching seven touchdowns this year. Um, you know, and that's not even incorporating all these other guys that contributed like Isaiah McKenzie, Dawson X. We just, being McDermott have been slowly but surely collecting talent and collecting the right kind of talent where, you know, uh, they're good locker room guys. They appreciate their teammates and they, you know, they play for the right reasons. So um, it's been a, it's been a steady process as McDermott likes to say, he's all about the process and, you know, um, but I mean, it's working and we, uh, we, so we fully expected a, a, an improvement this year, but uh, they definitely surpassed that. Um, probably out, uh, like out, everybody's expectations outside of entirely. Cause you know, obviously those guys are playing to win this, the Super Bowl every year. Where did McDermott come from? So McDermott was the defensive coordinator in Carolina for three or four years before, before we signed him. And then he's before that he spent a lot of time in Philly actually under uh, Andy Reid. So uh, he was with Philly for, I think like nine, nine seasons, you know, as a bunch of different position coaches. Uh, and then he was D coordinator there for a short while and then went over to Carolina was defensive coordinator, I think for the entire time he was there, which I believe was uh, about four years. Yeah, it almost seems that Andy Reid is kind of the coach now that has the most successful coaching tree, contemporary yeah. coaching tree. Because when you look at John Harbaugh, too, I think he was a special yeah. teams coordinator that same yeah. time when McDermott was there. So, and I don't think any of these guys are really um, in the same mold as him, too. Because, you know, he's obviously a big offensive guy, but it just seems that the one common thread throughout his coaching lineage is just the focus on techniques and fundamentals. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's 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 absolutely correct. And, you know, that's something that Sean McDermott impresses on his team every single day. And uh, whenever, you know, whenever we've had rough patches, um, he always defaults to going back to the fundamentals because, you know, the team just gets sloppy. And a lot of people overlook, you know, the importance of, you know, proper leverage and, you know, good feet position and good tackling and, and things like that. It's, it's the little things that make a huge difference in games, you know, especially in the NFL when the margin of error is so tiny. Um, you know, that's that's a big reason why uh, the Patriots have been so good for so long outside of having Tom Brady. You know, all their players, they, you know, they have a collection of players that might not necessarily be spectacular outside of like, you know, the Rob Gronkowski's and, you know, when they had Randy Moss and whatnot. But everybody just doesn't screw up. That's that's the biggest thing. So uh, that's a huge emphasis that McDermott's always you know placed on the field. And also um, his biggest thing is culture, which. Uh, if anybody doesn't think that culture makes a difference there, I, you know, that I think it's just silly at this point because we've seen a lot of teams with a ton of talent, a lot of big names, and it doesn't always come together. But, you know, when you got, you know, every, you know, every person on the ship paddling in the right direction and, you know, in sync, you know, it makes a huge difference. And, you know, I've seen that over the past four years with McDermott and being in their process and it didn't happen right away, but it's, it's definitely coming to fruition real nicely. Yeah, well, and when you talk about 
uh, culture. I think when you look at maybe – I don't remember what season it was, maybe the 2012 or 2013 Eagles when they had all those free agent signings when uh, Vince Young called them the dream team. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a big thing to try to get a lot of people from a lot of different places and be able to buy into the – to the culture of what you're doing Mm -hmm. and, you know, for McDermott to come in, especially in an age in which a coach kind of feels compelled to succeed right away. Mm -hmm. I think when you can be able to, you know, take a couple of years to really try to build something up and then develop players and then let everybody gel in and, you know, to be able to make decisions like getting rid of Sammy Watkins. um, I think it just kind of shows, you know, a guy really has a vision and the ownership in the front office are willing to buy in it with them. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really curious to, I would love to have been a fly on the wall um, when he was interviewing with the Pagulas. Um, he got the job before Brandon Bean, who also came over from Carolina. Um, but, uh, you know, from what I gather from, you know, when they've spoken on it over the past four years, they pretty much, I mean, they had to have said without, you know, obviously this is not quoting, but okay. So your salary cap's a complete mess. Uh, we don't think we have the right locker room in here. So we're going to dump all the most talented players and we're just going to start drafting and sign whoever we can. Um, I would I would just love to hear what the Pugula's initial reaction was. Like, yeah, we're going to get rid of literally all of our top talent and top paid players, and we're going to eat a lot of dead money, but this is what we got to do. So, um, you know, that was you know what they did was 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 incredible right off the bat. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, we had some we had some rough seasons, but. You know, McDermott's made the playoffs three out of four years, and our team was not in a great position. I mean, he's taken over after Rex Ryan, and that guy was uh, whew, he he did a lot to ruin things here. So, you know, they had their hands full, but it's 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 been incredible what they've done. They've drafted really well. Um, you know, they paid a lot to get Stephon Diggs, but that the difference that that guy made this year is absolutely remarkable. And, uh, yeah, that's something that we, that we talk about all the time, which is the chemistry with the guys in the locker room and everybody works hard and no, nobody's a me guy, you know, people aren't getting in fights about stupid things on the sidelines. So, um, that's, that's huge, especially when, you know, when, when you're playing the schedule that we had this year, just everybody, all the teams were so darn good. So that, that also, all that stuff is really important, but you know, the, what being McDermott have been able to do in four years is, is nothing short of incredible in my eyes. Yeah, and when we talk about the schedule, I mean, Buffalo, I think, I'm not sure how they rated this year, but it seemed that Buffalo had the hardest schedule of anybody in football. Yeah, they did. They, uh, it was, it's, especially when it came to playoff teams, I think there was only one other team that had, uh, where their, all their opponents collectively were above 500. It was the Bills and I think one other team. I, I can't remember what it, who it was. Um, but yeah, I mean, our, our schedule was tough. And, you know, the, the bad teams we played outside of, uh, you know, the Jets who are, you know, really bad this year. But, you know, we played, you know, the weaker teams that we play were like the Chargers. And, you know, they're like the most competitive bad team ever, you know, uh, the Broncos, which, you know, they weren't great, but they, you know, they were okay this year. The 49ers were supposed to be great, but they had their injuries. So, um, yeah, I mean, we were definitely battle tested. I hope that was going to help us fare a little bit better against the Chiefs uh, this past Sunday. But, uh <laughs> That didn't that didn't work out. <laughs> well, when you when you look at the season, you know, from weeks one to sixteen, it seemed that Buffalo had played the most consistent football out of anybody in the NFL. 
Because even when you look at like the Chiefs schedule, because I don't think they had too many teams that gave them trouble on paper or that shouldn't have. But then when you see games against the Falcons, against the Jets, against the Broncos on Sunday Night Football, you know, they weren't blowing teams out. And everybody knows what happened with Pittsburgh this year. So you see what happened with the Bills, how they were able to consistently win against great teams and sometimes even win big like they did against uh, Seattle. I mean, they really, they really had a hard schedule, but they lived up to it. Yeah, um, and that's the thing where that was a little bit of scrutiny in 2019, where uh, you know we won 10 games, but our schedule was, you know, admittedly pretty weak that year. But you know, I wasn't as as, as worried about that as a lot of uh, other people, you know, in the Bills fan base because we were six and ten the year before. So even though we considered ourselves a better team, and more often than not, we were. Um, you know, people were getting concerned that we weren't getting more decisive victories against, you know, weaker teams. But, you know, we were just learning how to win at that point, in all honesty. Uh, you know, this year is, is where we had the team. You know, we were year three in McDermott's system, year three in Josh Allen's career. You know, you know, we had John Brown, Cole Beasley coming back. We just acquired Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, defense was coming off of a fantastic year a year ago. Obviously, the defense dropped off. But, you know, this was the year where that everything was really supposed to click. Um, but I was, I was hoping, I didn't care if we were going to scrape by with everyone this year, like before the season started, just looking at that schedule. Cause it was so daunting, but, um, not only were we able to beat, you know, beat good teams, which at the end of the day, that's all that matters is when you get the W, but to really decisively, uh, to just absolutely blow teams out like we did in the second half of the year and, you know, put up 40 something points, whatever it was in Seattle when they were complete or when they were rolling and Russell Wilson looked like he was a shoe in for the MVP, it, it was impressive to you know to say the least that these that they were able to step up to these teams that have been winning for a long time and the bills were just getting used to that and were able to pull out all these victories it was it was awesome to watch yeah and when you bring up Russell Wilson as the MVP candidate it just shows how long the NFL season is mm-hmm. because I mean when you're talking about you know August and September football or September and you know October it, it's almost just the tale of two halves, you know, and not just with Russell Wilson, but I think once you get down to past Thanksgiving, people obviously see who's really in it and who's really just kind of surviving at this point. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you as a Bills fan, I, 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 I witnessed that. I lived through those hopeful September and October's and then everything come crashing down. I remember the one year, I think it was 2011, the Bills started off five and two and they finished that season seven and nine. So um, now obviously that's a pretty remarkable collapse, but you know, that stuff happens. I mean, Seattle ended up, you know, still making the playoffs, but Russell Wilson was on pace for 50 touchdowns. Um, And, you know, their offense kind of sputtered in the, you know, the second portion of the season, they obviously, you know, didn't do anything in the playoffs. So um, it's, you know, it's crazy. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it was all about momentum too. I mean, you know, we've seen that on the flip side with, uh, you know, the Giants won their Super Bowls. They were not the they were not the best team going into those playoffs, but they were the hottest team, and they just rode that momentum all the way through and got a couple championships out of it. So, the, yeah, the Bills started off hot. They hit a little sputter, um, you know, right around week six, you know, when we lost to the Titans badly, and then the Chiefs right after that. Um, then we picked up another couple wins, and then uh, that, that loss to Arizona was the last loss that the Bills had until the AFC Championship game. So they really – <laughs> they really picked it up and finished super strong up until, you know, the championship Sunday. 
So when was the loss to the Chiefs? I think that was in week nine. Week nine. So up until that point, what was kind of your mindset um, or your assessment of the team? Did you think that um, they were living up to the expectation that you had from them going in? Or were you just thinking you need to see a little bit more before you can give like a real honest assessment of them? Yeah, it, it, it was interesting at that time because the offense was so much better than than I than I thought it was going to be. I mean, you know, Josh Allen was thrown for three and four hundred yards left and right. He never even had a three hundred game three hundred yard game until this season. You know, we're averaging thirty points a game or something. You know, the year before we averaged uh, nineteen or somewhere around like nineteen or twenty points. And um, but at, but also oddly enough, our defense was spectacular last year. This year, at up until week nine, they were really not good. Um, you know, we could not stop the run to save our lives. Um, our defensive backs were not making as many plays as I'm used to seeing them make. So it, it, our, our team totally flipped from the year prior, but we, we were, we weren't putting everything together at that point. Our third quarters were terrible. Our point differential in the third quarter was horribly lopsided in the opposition's favor, but we're, but we're still playing really well and our offense was looking great. So, but it was after that week nine that, which was the hell Murray loss, um, our defense started to click. They started to play a lot better. And even though, you know, we didn't regain the form of 2019, um, you know, they, they improved. And then uh, our offense got, got really clicking again. So um, I didn't expect us to go on, what was, what's that, like a six or, or like a seven or eight game win streak. I didn't expect all that. But, um, you know, I figured they were going to respond pretty fiercely to that last second loss to the Cardinals because, you know, that's that's a – that's a gut wrencher, and you know, typically in McDermott's uh, stint here, you know, when we have a rough loss like that, the team really, uh, you know, comes together and you know starts to perform at a higher level following that. Yeah, and in a game like that too, because the Cardinals had like a little bit of a stretch where people thought that they were gonna make a push for the playoffs too. Yeah. They were like they were looking like they were in good form, uh, but a loss like that that happens on. Uh, a miracle that needs to happen. I think even though you come away losing, you still kind of say, well, you know, if we end by the time regulation ends, I mean, it has to count for something that we were still competitive in that game against a team that was hot at the time. Yeah. And that was something that we were trying to, you know, uh, take solace in at the time is that, you know, we we're playing a Cardinals team, which like you said, at the time we're red hot, um, you know, even their, you know, their losses, they, they were playing really well and barely losing. So, um, you know, I came away from that game, you know, after after the, the shell shock of the fact that Hopkins caught that touchdown. Um, it's like, listen, we just played one of the hottest teams in the NFL with arguably the best receiver, you know, the, one of the more electric, uh, one of the most electrifying players at quarterback in Kyler Murray. And it took them an absolute miracle to beat us. And it was in Arizona. So, um you know, as as much as it hurt originally to see that, you know, see the Bills lose that game, um, you know, I'm just thinking, like, listen, like, it took an absolute miracle for them to pull that off. And if there was any two other players in the NFL, I don't even think they would have been able to manage that. So, um, so yeah, that was good. And I think that that was uh, good for our team. Like, even though we lost, that was a good message. It's like, listen, that's the only way we lost that game is two of the best players on offense in this entire league have it up you know, once in a lifetime play. So um, that put things into perspective a little bit. And then again, there was a nice shell shock to get, you know, our players woken up and uh, 
you know, tighten things up. And again, obviously that, that behooved us as we went on a huge win streak after that. And what game do you think was the turning point that you looked at the, at the team and said, okay, maybe this team could actually go deep in the playoffs. That was probably, that was probably the game in, uh, when we played San Francisco. Um, we just absolutely killed them from start to finish. There's nothing they could do to keep up. Now, granted, they had injuries and whatnot, but that was they the were just Monday coming night off. Game? Of, say it again. That was the Monday night game. Yes. Um, you know, it's just the fact that they were, you know, they had just come off a big win against the Rams. Um, their defense was playing really, really well. Um, you know, their offense, obviously, they were without Garoppolo and Kettle, but their run game was great. You know, they were rolling, and then we go to San Francisco and in their in their field and just absolutely crush them. Um, I was, you know, that's like, okay, this is, you know, when we beat the Broncos, you know, heavily, you know, getting any kind of win like that in the NFL is crazy. I mean, it's not as common as it is in college, obviously, to, you know, score 40-something points. But, um, you know, San Francisco was rolling at that time, and, you know, especially defensively, and they could not match up with us um, whatsoever. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs did whatever they wanted. Um, so that's where I was like, okay, this is this is legit right here. And, you know, then we crushed the, the Patriots thereafter, and, you know, we were just steamrolling people. Um, so it was definitely – the 49ers game where I was like, okay, that, that team, there's nothing they could do to even compete with the bills there, which I'm not used to seeing the bills have that kind of capacity. So um, that's when I was really thinking, I'm like, okay, I think just, you know, you gotta be thinking championship at this point, championship game. Cause you know, what we're doing to teams. Yeah. And watching Josh Allen this year, because down the stretch, it seemed that he was saying the game in slow motion. Yeah. That he was just kind of on a on a different playing field. What what was it that just clicked for him going back um, from last year? Because well, he had a good season last year, but what he was doing this year made it look like he was a vet of uh, ten years. It seemed like. Yeah, it's not. It's 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 not just one thing with him. Um, it was a number of things. So he 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 chilled out on the hero ball. Um, what uh, <laughs> to quote uh, Steve Tasker, who he hosts a. Uh, uh, he hosts a show in, in Buffalo every every uh, Monday through or every afternoon Monday through Friday, and he uh, termed it "Sugar High Josh," which I think is funny, but it's also very accurate. Where he gets, you know, if if the Bills aren't playing well, he wants to just put the team on his back and make some miracle play to win the game, or you know, to like start, you know, to spark a comeback, um, which a lot of times he does, but a lot of times he doesn't. Um, he, you know, if you recall the attempted pitch to Dawson Knox in the playoffs against Houston. That could have been a complete disaster. Um, you know, he just, he has a tendency to try to do, to try to do too much, which, you know, when he does that, he can either pull off this miracle play that probably nobody else in the NFL can do. And sometimes he just, he does something really foolish and, you know, either takes a huge sack or fumbles or throws an interception or, you know, puts the team in a bad position. So he mitigated that tremendously this year, which is good. So he calmed down. And um, he also there's he works with Jordan Palmer in the offseason um, and he did and he, he switched something up in his throwing motion to keep his feet planted to get better to have a better stance when he releases the ball and uh, to also, I think, use um, use his hips and his torso more because he had just previously been using like all arm. 
um, which, you know, he's such a freak athlete, you know, he could be off position and just flick his wrist and it's going to be a dart for 30, you know, 30, 40 yards. Um, but still like, you know, at this level, he was getting in trouble a lot by not being disciplined with his, with his form. Um, so there was that. And also just the, the guy's super smart. I don't know how often you've listened to him speak in interviews. He's just very intelligent. He works super, super, super hard. Um, you know, it's just, you know, with a guy that has the right head on his shoulders and that he's, you know, he's as intelligent as he is work ethic as hard, you know, as great as it is. Um, and then he's in a good situation with good coaching and, you know, uh, Brandon being the front office of just, you know, providing with more and more talent. I'm not surprised. Like I was expecting a big step forward from him. So just kind of like I was saying about the bills in general, I did not expect, I think he, uh, was it 46 touchdowns or 45 touchdowns this year? Um, you know, four forty-five or yeah, forty-six hundred passing yards, however many rushing yards. I mean, he was, and and a lot of other years that would have been you know MVP worthy. Um, but it, and it is MVP worthy. He's not going to get it this year because Aaron Rodgers was just so much better than everyone, and Mahomes was also great. But I did not expect to jump like that. I knew he was going to get better, and you know the physical talent is out of control. But you know, it just everything just clicked. Um, and, you know, even his teammates, I mean, everybody expected him to play well from, from all accounts, but I don't think anybody expected him to do that. Well, and the offensive coordinator, Brian Zabel. Yes. I mean, was this his first uh, year with the, with the bills? No, this is, so this was year number three. Um, the first year McDermott had Rick Dennison and our offense was really, really bad under him. And then he grabbed Dayball from Alabama he was the offensive coordinator for Alabama when they uh, to his to his first year, or like the miracle game with Tua. Mm-hmm. Um, we nabbed him from there, so this this is year number three with him. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was it's just another testament to patience. Where you know the NFL you know stands for not for long for a, a lot. Uh, you know, coaches, players, everybody, just like you mentioned earlier. But just sticking to the process and being patient, letting things develop. Um, you know, and especially with Dayball, because so many people once, you know, when a quarterback's not performing up to expectations, you know, they either want to dump the quarterback or the coordinator. Usually the coordinator goes first. So um, I know like definitely in my circles, people were not very high on Dayball leading up to this year. I, I saw creativity and I liked it. You know, the production wasn't great. You know, the final numbers because our team was so new and young. Um, but, uh, you know, this year he was excellent, just super creative. Uh, play calling, you know, constantly making adjustments, you know, formulating game plans to each different opponent, which is, you know, um, something that he picked up, you know, very, very, very Belichickian from his time in in, uh, New England. So, yeah, we were just very diverse, but we also had a very strong identity in our, you know, that was our passing game. Um, He he and Josh Allen have a tremendous rapport. Um, So, you know, and also Josh Allen's mature, you know, maturation process where Dable didn't need to be on the sidelines this year, making sure that Josh's head was in the game and calming him down or whatever. So he was able to go up to the booth where Dable's, you know, obviously can see the field more. He must be more comfortable calling plays there. So it was a lot of things that came together, but yeah, just more, you know, trust between those two that they've developed over the last couple of years. And, uh, you know, Josh obviously taking a next step on his own. Uh, you know, definitely open things up for Dable to be more creative with play calling. And then obviously, you know, they added playmakers with, uh, you know, Stefan Diggs um, and a couple other pieces just uh, open, allowed things to open up big time uh, this year. 
And so as someone who's played before, like what were some examples of, of his creativity that kind of opened the game up that we didn't see last year? So uh, just the constant motion, uh, you know, placing players all over the field. Um, I, I remember one play, uh, I didn't pick it out during the game. And I think it was during, I think it was against Miami. He, uh, he motioned, he motioned a receiver into the backfield to play, to, to do blitz pickup pass protection. It was Isaiah McKenzie too, like the smallest. <laughs> well, Cole Beasley's pretty darn small. So one of the smallest we guys we have on our team, um, just to see who is going to follow him and just kind of pick up the blitz and then just open something. And then I think that opened up for uh, a touchdown to John Brown. So just Dayball having the, having the confidence in, in his players to, to do things right, to know what to do, to look for the right things. Um, you know, and that's, that's due to the players more familiarity with the system by spending, you know, spending the time that they have in it. It just opened things up big time. And he was able to just t- constantly keep defenses guessing and keep them running around, trying to keep up with everybody before the snap. Um, I mean, we had 13 different players catch a touchdown this year. Um, so it was just, again, just, just trusting the players and the team to execute, um, which, you know, they did really, really well all year long. Yeah, that I mean, that style of offense is almost necessary today. You know, those pre-snap movements, um, just trying to get the defense to show their hand before anything. I mean, you know, as a Steeler fan, one of the most frustrating parts of this year was watching how well they did in the beginning of the year using pre-snap motion, jet sweeps. Um, you know, they were under center more used to play action. There was just a lot of variety. You know, you keep defenses on their toes that way. And then going into week 10, week nine, everybody just spread out, three-yard pass, let the receiver do the work. It was just too predictable. And so when you see a team that's actually able to follow that pattern, I mean, I think you see teams that are able to have variety oftentimes are the ones that succeed. Yeah. It's not, and it's not the kind of league anymore where you can really have, I think, just a handful of plays and really kind of rely on that. No, I mean, it's just the game just evolves so much every single year. Um, you know, the players just get more and more athletic. And, um, you know, I mean, you can't just run the same things over and over and over again. So offensive and defensive coordinators, I mean, it's all about deception, um, you know, from what I can gather. And, you know, a great example of that is the Chiefs. And, you know, watching them against the Bills on, uh, you know, this past Sunday, so they already have a bunch of superstars. They have the best quarterback, the best tight end, top five wide receiver. I don't know where you're going to place Tyreek Hill, but definitely the fastest and quickest human being I have ever seen. So they have the talent where they can probably just line up and without a ton of deception, probably still you know move the ball really, really well and score points and whatnot. But one of the things I took away from from that game is the motion. It's constant motion, and people are flying around. Like, you know, they would have Tyreek Hill line up on the left, go to the right, go to the left. And then right before the snap, he's he's motioning again back to the right, right behind Mahomes as he's taking a snap. So, I mean, you're running around to try to keep up with them and you're constantly guessing, not know where he's going to be. And when the ball snapped, you know, they're going a thousand miles an hour. And, you know, it's, you know, Kelsey and Hill and Hardman. These guys are all super fast. You know, they've been just like what I was talking about with the Bills. I mean, this is year, I think, number eight with Andy Reid. 
Mahomes' third year, what have you. You know, Kelsey's been around for a long time, so is Kelsey. These guys are entrenched in the system, and it's second nature to them now. So the execution is just flawless. But even it's just the constant confusion. I was just watching it on TV, just getting dizzy. I'm like, where the heck is everyone going? I can't imagine what it's like as a you know safeties and linebackers trying to adjust. You know every half second before the snap and then the and then once the ball snap you have the best quarterback that can do literally whatever he wants Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey even without all that deception it is so difficult to defend those three it's pretty much impossible but then you add in all the guessing and guessing so you're not in position you're not you're not sure of what you're doing when the, when the ball is snapped it just makes it so darn hard well and you can look at Baltimore in that same light too. I mean, obviously they have a whole different offense than the Chiefs, but I mean they kind of have taken the running game and just have completely almost made a new game out of it. Yeah, you know, when you it's like when you have a receiver that motions one way, the guards will pull the other way. You don't know if Lamar Jackson has the ball or if one of the running backs have it. I mean, the deception the way that which they use it compared to the Chiefs is so different, but it's so beautiful to watch. Yeah, um, I honestly don't think it's all that different. Uh, I think that's a really good point. Uh, they obviously run the ball more than they throw the ball, but the motion, uh, the motion before plays, I think is pretty darn similar. Greg Roman, their offensive coordinator, who spent some time in, with with the Bills, um, his passing games are always are typically not always great, but his running schemes are really, really, really effective because they're so complex. And you know, with, with the weapons they got in Baltimore, I mean, Lamar Jackson. I mean, I, I, Tyreek Hill's the fastest and quickest in the NFL, and I think Lamar Jackson's probably right behind him. And, you know, when, they, when they're when they motioning somebody, you know, if they got somebody going on a jet sweep to the right, you know, if they snap it right on time, which they normally do, you know, if you get the defensive end or, you know, the defensive end of the linebackers, whatever, if they, you know, if they shift to the, to the, to the left to try to keep up with whoever's motion just in case they get the ball, and if they snap the ball as they're moving to that side, the play's over before it even starts because you're already where they want you to go um, for, you know, uh, uh, blocking schemes. So the offensive lineman, you're already going where they want you to go and they nudge you. And, you know, Lamar Jackson needs an absolute sliver of daylight. He's so, he's so good with the ball in his hands, but that's, again, you know, he'd be able to make plays without all that, but it's keeping the defense guessing and having them move around where they're, you know, not comfortable or exactly where the offense wants them to. And that's all you need with guys that are as athletic as Jackson and, you know, the rest of the players in the backfield too. So um, yeah, teams that don't do that, I'm not really sure why, because it just, it opens things up so much offensively. Yeah. And teams have, I think, taken that uh, out of the playbook. Like, I don't know what, it, what that exact play is called, but whenever they snap the ball right before the, receiver crosses um the quarterback on a jet motion uh mm-hmm. i know the rams had done it their own way obviously they don't really work out of the shotgun that often but the ball is snapped right as the receiver is in the middle of his um jet motion run and you don't mm-hmm. know if he's going to get the ball if they're going to hand it off to the running back or if it's going to be a play action pass so it's always trying to put that linebacker or that safety and that you know react situation where they don't know if they have to over if they're going to pursue or if they have to stay put yeah, and it's it, it's exactly right. It's that constant guessing game. The Bills do it constantly with Isaiah McKenzie. The Rams do it with Robert Woods all the time. Um, and again, like it's just it, these <laughs> these coordinators are just playing with the defense at that point in my eyes because you know if they motion the guy to the jet sweep, 
if the defense does a great job of, you know, motioning with him and prevent, you know, that, that jet sweep to the receiver, then that's going to open things up on the, you know, wherever the receiver just motioned from. It's like, okay, they're going to be disciplined here. So that's going to open up something, you know, if I'm motioning to my right, that's going to open up something to my left immediately, bam, you know, five, six, seven yards. And then if, then the defense is eventually going to have to move back to that. So they're not going to be as disciplined or apprehensive on the jet sweep. And that's where he handed off to Robert Woods and he takes off for nine, 10 yards and gets a first down. So it's just that constant guessing game. And if, you know, it's up to the quarterback to decide, you know, what he thinks the defense is going to bite on that play. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> just the constant guessing game. And it's just kind of, kind of luck at some point for defenses, I'm sure. But um, uh, yeah, all the best offenses in the NFL for the last couple of years, I feel like they constantly use the motion, the deception to keep defenses on their toes so that they can, you know, they can have more momentum and kind of go at their speed and go to do what they want and have defenses react instead of, um, you know, defenses determine, you know, dictating to the offense what they want to do. Yeah. And it seems like defense now, I think is more about your personnel than your scheme because you can overcome, I think, offensive deficiencies if you can design good plays, if you can get really creative but with the defense, it almost feels as if they're going to find a way to exploit you. So you have to find kind of the athletes who are going to be able to execute the scheme perfectly. But also, if an assignment does break down, you can have a guy that can make up for a blown coverage, or if someone maybe gets out of their lane, you know, on a pass. Yeah, list. yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, they definitely go hand in hand because you can have the best skin in the world, and if you don't have the good enough players to execute, it's not going to matter. And then you know, vice versa, you can have the most talented players on defense, but if they're never in proper position or, you know, if they're not doing, if they're not taking care of their responsibilities, you know, you know, then it's going to be all for naught. But, but yet to your point, like, you know, there's going to be, you know, you can have a player that, that takes the right step off the line of scrimmage or whatnot, but, you know, with offenses in the, you know, the players on offense that we're talking about, you know, the Tyree kills and Nicole Harmons, these guys that, you know, can run a hundred miles an hour, you need guys that are going to be that quick, um, you know, especially, you know, defensive ends and linebackers. I mean, linebackers now, what's their average weight around 230 pounds? You know, when it used to be 260, um, you need guys that can run. Um, I, I don't think speed has ever been more important in the NFL, uh, especially defensively than it has been, you know, the past, you know, five to 10 years or so, uh, because it's not so much of the, I'm going to beat you up. It's like, can you keep up with us? Um, but I, I do think that that, I think it's kind of like a pendulum swing because you see these teams that have small defenses like the Bills. The Bills had a small defense this year. They did not have a lot of big bodies. Our biggest guy, Star Latulule, um, he opted out, and our our run defense was dramatically worse, um, and teams ran the ball at us really effectively all year. And honestly, if it wasn't for our offense being so good, we're forcing teams to pass to keep up with our scoring. Uh, that could have been a huge problem because – Yes, I mean, I know that in today's NFL, you know, it's it's all about the passing game. But if you got a team that has a really poor run defense, you don't have to throw the ball 40 times. It gets really simple and you can shoot. And not only are you, can you still score points that where you're going to chew up clock and limit the other team's uh, uh, possessions and opportunity to score themselves. So um, you, well, you still have to have size and whatnot, because if you have nothing but speed, teams are just going to beat you up. Well, that's like what happened when the Chiefs played the Bills earlier in the year. I mean, exactly. I think they, I think they ran the ball. I think Edwards Alaire had what thirty carries. Yeah, they had they ran for over two hundred fifty yards. So that was something where, 
you know, they had my, I mean, it was, it was a crappy day weather-wise. So I don't know if it would have been like an aired out kind of day, but yeah, I mean, it was brilliant, brilliant preparation by Andy Reed and uh, Eric Bianami. It's like, listen, our passing game is fantastic, but th- their run defense stinks. And then with the way that the bills prepared, um, as they always do, we're really good at limiting uh, big plays and especially, you know, deep passes down the field. We didn't let up anything like that. So Tyreek Hill only had three catches that game. Uh, you know, Mahomes only had like 200 something yards, but they ran for 250 plus. They, you know, and they they took up all the play, the the all the all the clock, their time of possession so far away the Bills. So we only had so much time to really catch up with them. So it doesn't always have to be a shootout throwing the ball um, because again, like it's. If you can't stop the run, that makes it really easy for an offense. And then if they get to run all over you, they don't have to come up with these super complex schemes like we were just talking about. They can just go to play action, and it gets pretty darn simple at that point if you can't stop the run. Yeah, and I know a lot of people kind of think that the run game is now secondary in the NFL, but I think just because you're seeing a lot of points and a lot of great throws and a lot of great receivers, I don't think that means that the running game doesn't have the same importance that it, maybe it once did. I mean, I, I think there is merit to that argument because I do think they want more passing, but I think the running game does play a significant role just for the reasons you gave. Yeah, I mean, and I the fact, and the, the fact that a team like Baltimore can really kind of use that as its nucleus because it's like their run game isn't just to grind at the clock like you could say with Cleveland. You know, they're getting so many big chunk yardage plays from their run game. I mean, in some ways, it can almost replace, you know, that intermediate passing game. Yeah, no, so I, I think the argument has been a lot as, um, you know, can you win a championship that way? Because you can certainly win a lot of games, uh, regular season and, and postseason. Um, I mean, those the two teams you just gave were a great example. I mean, uh, Baltimore did not have near the passing game they had last year, but it was very effective as a complimentary piece because their run game was unstoppable. Uh, Cleveland they're I mean the fact that Kareem Hunt's not their full-time starter is crazy I mean Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt I mean that that took them to an 11-win season you know their first their first playoff victory in 20-something years whatever it had been um, I mean look at Tennessee I mean they have an effective pass game but their entire offense goes through Ter- Derrick Henry and look look at all the games that they have won the past two years so whenever people say that you know, running backs are a dime a dozen and a good running game isn't as important. I, I think that's so silly. All the best offenses in the league have really good running back, like running games. Except the Bills this year, we really didn't. And not being able to run the ball really crushed us on Sunday when we were playing for the Super Bowl. So um yeah, you gotta have you got I mean, even Green Bay, look at look at Aaron Rodgers had probably an MVP season, but look at his running backs. Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, AJ Dillon, these guys that can pound you. So it's it's definitely still has tremendous value, um, but I think to get over that hump of like divisional round AFC championship game and then obviously Super Bowl, you do have to have a really good passing game. I that I do believe as well. Well, I think especially if you're in the AFC, you kind of need to have a running game because really, if you, I think if you want to get to the Super Bowl, obviously you're going to have to go through the Chiefs at some point during yeah. the season. And I really think if you want to be a team like that, you know, defenses are obviously going to have to play their best game and really have to kind of bend, but don't break. 
but the offense really has to pull a lot of weight too. I mean, they're they're really a rare team in which the offense kind of has to contribute to the defensive game plan just as much as the defense. I, I could not agree more. So a great example a great example of that is when the Bills played the Colts in the playoffs and in the wild card round this year. Um, obviously, Colts have a tremendous run game with Jonathan Taylor and uh, Naheem Hines, uh, really good offensive line, and they. Uh, their game plan was great. You know, they just shoot up, they, they just shoot up the clock, ran the ball, had really long drives, and they kept Josh Allen the offense off the field. And not only were they chewing up the clock and moving the ball, they were scoring points. So um, it was written. They're giving their defense a ton of rest, which obviously you need anytime you're going against a really good. I mean, you need it all the time, but you can't be sucking wind if you're going against a, uh, an elite offense. So. I mean, it worked really well. I mean, it came down to the last possession of that game. I mean, and me and all my friends who were watching it were like, they're doing exactly what they want. Like what they talked about all week, they're doing right now. And, you know, fortunately we had, um, we had the playmaking ability to, to overcome that, but that almost worked. And that's something that, that you know, you got to do with teams like the Chiefs and, you know, like teams have done against the Bills, you know. Um, whenever people say run the track meet, I just, I think that that's so silly. Why would you want to get in a shootout with Patrick Mahomes? Why? He's, he's averaged like 34 points a game in his career, you know, and obviously you got to score points and don't settle for field goals, but I don't know why you'd want to just, you know, throw all over the place and risk, uh, you know, three and outs of quick possessions. And then, you know, your, your team was only on the field for a minute and 12 seconds and the defense has got to go out. Now they're tired enough everything's going to happen with the Chiefs, like we already talked about. The speed is going to kill you, and then they're just going to rack up points. So, yeah, I, I think I think, I think, think the, the hate on the run game is, is a little bit much. I think it's a lot more important than a lot of people realize. Before we go deeper into the uh, Colts game with the Bills, who do you think was someone that was underappreciated or uh, that fans didn't really recognize for the success the Bills had this season? Whew. Want to go offense, defense, or just whatever player? Let's go defense first. Defense. Um, I think it's a guy that gets overlooked constantly as uh, Jordan Poyer. That guy is absolutely incredible. Um, he's never made a Pro Bowl, which blows my mind. Uh, his numbers against his, you know, compared against to his peers for the you know three or four years that he's been here, he's pretty much better in every category. Um, he just does everything so well. He's great against the run. He's a very, very short tackler. He's got a, um, you know, he's got a nose for the ball. He's really good at creating turnovers. Uh, his communication with Micah Hyde and the rest of the defensive backs are outstanding. Um, he was, I mean, he's, he's always been very important, but you know, if he, if he doesn't play, I think our defense drops off tremendously, um, offensively. And this is probably the guy for that I'd say probably for the entire team was uh, John Feliciano, believe it or not. Um, so this was his second year with the Bills. We signed him from Oakland where he was uh, – he wasn't even a full-time starter. He was kind of like one of those swing guys that got a lot of playing time. And, uh, you know, last year he started for us at, I believe, right guard. No, left guard. Um, and, you know, this year he tore his labrum – or I'm sorry, he tore his pack in training camp. He missed the first six weeks. And – um, you know, our offense could not run the ball whatsoever then. And uh, once he came back, um, our offense was – our offensive line, our protection, our run blocking was, was noticeably better. Um, also, you know, he's he's got the attitude on our offensive line 
Um, so just not letting our, you know, defenders, uh, you know, bully the offense in any kind of way. So he was really, really important. Um, you know, he's also very vocal, so he's good at communicating pre-snap and he's also just good to have in the huddle. Um, and you know, that again, it sounds old school, just kind of like with the run game, but having that nastiness up front is, is huge. You can't have guys that aren't, you know, that aren't ready to rip, you know, defensive linemen's head off. And, you know, if somebody's going to take a shot at Josh Allen, that guy's going to get knocked down by Feliciano, you know? So, um, he was impressive last year, but this year I think it was made really obvious the difference he makes when he's on the field. Cause when he wasn't in the first uh, six games or so, um, it was really, really noticeable. Yeah. We saw that nastiness come out at the end of the AFC championship game. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And those are penalties that I'm okay with, you know, um, if you're going to take a shot at the quarterback, um, you gotta get, you know, you gotta get punished for that. I mean, that's something that I've always appreciated. Um, on all the teams I played on, um, you know, the offensive linemen are so protective of of, uh, of their teammates. And yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta make defenders scared to do that stuff. You know, you don't want to give them any kind of confidence or anything like that. That you're just gonna back down. So <clears throat> that stuff is is definitely really important. I mean, you got to be a good player. You can't just go in and just beat people up. But um, having that protective nature and getting your face to knock somebody to the ground if they're gonna take a cheap shot. That's you need to have that. Yeah, I think that's like you said, it's a penalty that you're okay with. And I think a lot of people would agree. I mean, whenever we're talking about this, I think earlier in the season, whenever Andy Dalton got hit by John Bostick when they played the Washington football team, and the offensive linemen were just kind of like standing around. That's embarrassing. Yeah. And I seriously, I would be, if they were my teammates, if I was their coaches, I would have, I would have freaked out. Um, you, You, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't have to be your quarterback. But if somebody's going to mess with your with your team, I mean, with your teammate, I don't care what position they play. Um, I mean, you got. I mean, they're all in it together. You know, they're playing with each other. They're all on the same team. You know, they they spend almost every single day together for months. Um, you got to take care of each other, and you know that's you know that's the whole thing of being a cohesive team, and you know that you know that brotherhood in the locker room that I, you know that you and I talked about the last time I was on here. You know, with my teams, I mean, like you 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 don't let people mess with your teammates. You know, especially you know, guys like quarterbacks that, you know, they're, it's pretty easy for them to get hurt and they're so important to the team. You don't, you don't let that fly. Now don't start throwing punches and stuff and get kicked out of the game. But uh, if somebody's going to mess with your teammate, you make sure that they know to never do it again. Well, like last year in the uh, Cleveland Pittsburgh game with the Miles Garrett, Mason Rudolph situation. Mm-hmm. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, right. Right after that helmet hit Rudolph's head, I mean, Pouncey just goes right at – I don't remember if he's the one that tackled him to the ground or what, but Pouncey, he's, like, punching him in the helmet. He's kicking him. And I'm just like, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously stuff like this, I think, really boils up, especially at the end of a game, because I don't think you see too many penalties like this in, like, the middle or beginning. But I think at that point a lot of frustration has built up. But, yeah, there's definitely something, even though it's a penalty, it's something comforting about seeing guys go to bat for one another. Yeah, especially in that bizarre situation where, you know, how, how Mason Rudolph did not get a concussion or brain damage from that. You know, Miles Garrett is such a freak. Like, I remember watching him and the, and the, his offseason routine before last year, and he was doing box jumps with, like, 25 or 50-pound dumbbells in his hand. I was like, this, what planet was this guy born on? Like, he's so strong. And the fact that he did a full windmill swing with his helmet and cracked it right on his head, it's amazing that he didn't really, really hurt him. 
So at that point, like, no, it's you, you, you go beat that guy up for doing that. Like that is so over the line. It's so dangerous. Um, you know, that, that's where, you know, you really got to take it to him. Cause that, I mean, that's, that's assault, you know, like, like he went crazy, but you know, it, it's, it's just the thing, you know, we, we love football and we love the contact of it, but it's dangerous. Uh, I'll never forget um, a couple of years ago when Jarvis Landry was still in the dolphins and Aaron Williams uh, safety, we drafted out of Texas the year prior you see, the year prior, earlier that year, he hurt his neck really bad. He's trying to tackle Julian Edelman, and like his neck twisted up, and he was making the tackle. And it was something that sounded like he probably shouldn't have played again after that. But he played, you know, he played, and he was, you know, the Miami ran a one play to the, you know, left side of their formation, and Aaron Williams is following the ball carrier, and then Jarvis Landry crackbacked him, but he gave him like a forearm shiver right to the head, and just you know it's just a super super dirty plate Aaron Williams never played another snap after that so not only was that dangerous he could have broke his neck or something um you know sent him to the hospital uh, I, I I think they had the ambulance pick him up right from the field um not only that ruined his NFL career so yeah when, when people do stuff like that there should be zero patience zero tolerance for that you, th- that stuff doesn't fly because not only are you physically hurting them, maybe giving them a condition they're going to have to you know, deal with for the rest of their life, how many millions of dollars did Aaron Williams just miss out on? He was like 26 years old when that happened. So, you know, yeah, just th- th- that's where you got to have the protective factor. Not only is it your teammate and your friend, but, you know, if, if people are going to try to ruin people's careers, that, you know, that can't, that can't stand. Yeah, I definitely think that that era has – I don't want to say it's gone for good because, you know, you're obviously going to have some bad apples, I think, in every sport, maybe yeah. not every team. But, I mean, when, when I look back at, you know, some of, like, the Vontez Burfitt hits, at least, oh, like, yeah. some like some like from, like, our time, because obviously you can go into the, the 70s and the 80s when they had guys who would make a contest out of it. I mean, well, we could even go back to Bounty Gate, I guess, too. Yeah. Um, so there's always that kind of stuff, but yeah, I mean, it's like everybody wants to be cautious now and, you know, rightfully so you can understand why. I mean, I I can remember being, I think it was 2009 when Roethlisberger got a uh, concussion and he wasn't able to play one game. And then when they were doing interviews for the Thursday night game, the following week, I think Heinz Ward called him out saying, you know, I played with concussions before. Why couldn't he, or something along those lines. Yeah. Nowadays, you're never going to hear that because you could just get crucified. Well, also, I think a lot of these guys are seeing the the effects it has on these former players. You know, yeah, uh, yeah. by the time they get to their 50s and 60s, you know, they're in pretty rough shape. And obviously, some people have been taking their lives uh, with the brain damage and whatnot. So I think people being educated on the long-term effects of stuff like that has played a big role. Um but and don't get me wrong, I you know I hate how the NFL has made it impossible to you know they've taken big hits out of the game essentially, which that drives me nuts. I, you know I've, I was a defensive player my entire you know my ten year career, and I appreciate that that's a part of the game. I appreciate the sense of safety and trying to you know mitigate you know big time injuries and obviously the head injuries. Um, but you know that that's a part of the game I miss. It, it feels like every time that there's a big hit, it's a penalty. But, you know, if somebody is leading with their head or doing, you know, Vontaze Perfect or, you know, uh, Don McKinsue, um, you know, James, you know, James Harrison did some pretty dirty stuff back in the day. You know, when, when people are obviously trying to hurt another player. Yeah, there's there's no room for that. But I do wish that they <laughs> that they that the NFL didn't try to just completely eliminate 
you know, big, you know, big hits. Cause that's a part of the game. I, I always loved it. I, I, I definitely miss that. It's pretty much a penalty every time now. But I also think there is a sort of um, responsibility for fundamentals too. Sure. Because I think when we always look, I mean, you can listen to any old school fan who the first thing they're going to complain about is the tackling is just poor. I mean, I did an interview a couple uh, last week, and that was something that we talked about where it was, you know, today's tackling, they just don't wrap up. You know, they try to get that big uh, Mm -hmm. ESPN highlight reel hit, and then usually someone, usually a defender, ends up getting hurt because they went in with, like, the shoulder or the head, and they're the one that got hit. And then the ball carrier gets an extra 10 or 15 yards. Yeah. And I think a lot of that obviously has to do with uh, they don't have as many padded practices as they did back in the day. But I really think the best way to kind of cure or maybe not the best way, but I do think preaching the fundamentals of form tackling could really cut Uh down on injuries. Yeah, agreed. Um, Yeah, I think that's a great point where, you know, they don't do padded practices. I I don't. Yeah, I think you're right. I don't think they do padded practices in the season, which. That's kind of tough because players get hurt so much as it is. You know, it's so, you know, there's so many freak injuries that happen all the time. So you can't be, you know, (laughs) introducing way more opportunity for that stuff to happen in practice when you can barely get through a game without having a couple of guys get hurt. Um, So, yeah. And I think you're right. The the lack, the lack of practice, practice tackling throughout the season. Yeah. People get sloppy. And also uh, tackling isn't very good for a lot of players because it's more difficult. And, and it's, it doesn't feel great. It feel like now if you line somebody up and you have a little momentum and they're looking another direction, you can hit that person. You're, it's not going to hurt you. It's going to stink for them. But, you know, if you got somebody like running right at you, like it doesn't have to be Derek Henning, but any running back and you got to go low when they're running as fast as they can, you're going to run right into their knees. It's going to hurt. You know, it's not going to feel good. So yeah, I think that's another reason why a lot of people aren't just aren't good tacklers because it's, to be a good tackler, you got to be super tough and you got to, you know, it's, it's going to hurt when you tackle these guys. Um, so I think that's a lot of it too, where people maybe trying to get to the next play without making the best play they can, you know, during that play, if they got somebody running right at them. Yeah. And it's kind of like you mentioned earlier, how a lot of defenses are smaller too. And some of these receivers are huge. So, yeah. and, and tight end. So I, I can see if you're a safety or a corner where you you have to go in and make a tackle and, you know, you don't want to get hurt in the process. Uh, you know, it just kind of feels like it's still happening regardless, whenever you had to really make them think about it. And yeah, whatever, I guess they just try to lower their shoulder and see what could happen. Cause you know, there's a lot of other injuries that can come from poor mechanics. Yeah. And when you get sloppy, that's when, that's when you definitely can really get hurt. Um, if you're not in the proper position, proper momentum, and you know, you got guys that are, you know, 265 pounds that run a four or five. Yeah. I mean, you could really easily get hurt, but you know, that's where it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a catch 22. A lot of these guys don't go head first into a tackle because they don't want to get hurt. But then if they're, you know, if they're, uh, if they're not doing it with proper technique, they have just as much of an opportunity, you know, sustain an injury. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are baked into that. Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's easy to say when you're not the one doing it in real time. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> so take me to what it was like on that first playoff victory in, what was it, 25 years? Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, it. 
in, in my world, that was, you know, the Bills' first playoff win in, you know, in my lifetime. You know, when I was five years old, I didn't know what the heck football was, obviously. So uh, last time the Bills went to the playoffs was 1999. I wasn't watching that game. You know, I was only nine years old. And, you know, once it, I, I did get into football shortly after that. So once I was able to really like understand and appreciate football, that's when the drought started in the last for 17 years. And, you know, when we made the playoffs in 2017, that was a complete miracle. Thanks to the Ravens. Uh, you know, we were not, I mean, nine and seven was impressive for that year, but we were not a playoff team. And then we went six and 10. And then last year, um, you know, against the Texas, we definitely could have won. And, you know, that was a pretty gut wrenching loss. So, you know, there's a lot building up to it and there's a long time coming. So it, it, it was great. Um, I, I went back home to Buffalo to watch the game with my family and my friends. And, you know, I mean, it was stressful. I mean, the bills were playing well, but well, like I was mentioning earlier, the Colts brought their a game. They, you know, they played, they played their rear ends off and they had a great game plan and they're really well coached. And, uh, you know, the fact that they had the last possession and it came down to a hell, hell Mary attempt. And, you know, everybody was having heart palpitations with, you know, PTSD for the Cardinals game. So, um, it, but it was awesome. Like the fact that it, w- it was such a good game, it was, it was such a hard fought game. It went down to the last play, um, made it that much sweeter. I mean, it would have been great if we would have been 52 to three, but um, you know, having it, having you like, there's no chance that we're going to win our first game, our first playoff game in a quarter century and have it be a cakewalk. You know, I just didn't think that the universe had that cut out for us. So um, it was great. It was great, man. I mean, it was such an exciting game. Uh, I was watching it at my at my brother's apartment, my brother and cousin's apartment. My uncle lives underneath them. So my parents were there, my sister, my brother, a bunch of my best friends, my cousin. And we're like running up and downstairs and high five and after the game, you know, do like for touchdowns and stuff. And it was it was super exciting, um, you know, playing against the Colts, a really good team. Frank Reich, you know, he was the author of the greatest comeback in NFL history when he played for the Bills. Um, I've always loved Philip Rivers. Um, so, you know, having it be such a good game was a great matchup with two really good teams, um, you know, that, you know, shared a lot of history. Um, it was awesome. You know, it was, I, you know, we all hugged and, you know, when that, when that final, when that, uh, when the Hail Mary fell incomplete, you know, we grabbed each other and, you know, you know, people were getting emotional and like, I was so happy. Like, you know, I was like, you know, my legs were giving out a little bit. It was, it was, it was, it was wild. It was just, it was like the happiest I've been in a long time. It was, it was something, you know, cause we love the bills so much, you know, I've been watching my entire life and through all like through all the many, many losses, a lot of heartbreaking defeats, you know, to finally be a really good team. And, you know, and also like, you know, all the doubters, you know, across the national media saying that, you know, we had a good record in the postseason. We're not going to show up in or in the regular season. We're not going to show up in the postseason. So, I don't know, just like getting all that nervous energy out and, and proving it and, you know, being a really good team um, and just getting and finally getting a little experience that for the first time in my life was it was incredible. Um, you know, it was, it was something I'll never forget. That's for sure. Was there any uh, like anything superstitious you were doing? Like, did you wear like the same jersey all season and wear that one for the game or um, does, that, does anybody in your family have like any quirks like that? I'm sure they do. Uh, there's, there's like a handful of different outfits I wear. It's not always the exact same. Um, I, I always wear Zubas, um, you know, the, the striped sweatpants. I always wear those for game day, but it's not always the same. I'm sure that, you know, some of my family members that, you know, are probably pretty superstitious. They probably have the same kind of routines, but 
Um, I, I don't, I don't follow the exact same ritual every game day. So when, when you, when a game like that happens and it was a very close game and truthfully, I didn't think the Colts were going to put up that competitive of a fight. I, I did think they were a good team, but just seeing the way Buffalo had been playing for the past five weeks, I didn't really think there was going to be much room for the Colts to really operate with, but they came out and they really played a terrific game. They really gave it their all. But do you think a win like that is more meaningful to you who's never experienced a playoff win um, as a fan? Or do you think to maybe your parents and your relatives who have experienced, you know, four straight Super Bowls um, and then just had this like long drought? Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm going to be biased and say myself because I'm 30 and I've never experienced that. You know, you know, again, you know, when this happened, when I was a toddler, that doesn't count in my world. So, yeah. but I mean, but again, like, you know, yes, my parents, you know, my parents' generation and, and, you know, my grandparents' generation, like those folks got to see a lot of success back in, you know, the late eighties and, you know, not into really the, into all of the nineties pretty much. I mean, obviously the Super Bowls in the beginning, um, it's still been a long time for them too. I mean, just because they've seen it before, it's still been 25 years. You know, I mean, that, I mean, that's half of most of their lives, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to discount it for them either. I mean, it's, it's been a long time for everybody, whether, you know, you'd seen it or not. Um, it was a long time ago. So in, in, you know, the city of Buffalo, you know, you know, Bill's mafia, it's so cool that we get so much recognition now because we are, it's just an extremely, extremely loyal fan base and people that love this team, so much. Um, and, you know, again, just, you know, we've been through all the heartbreak and the loss and we show up when it's, you know, 18 degrees outside when we're, you know, six and eight, you know, it's, and things aren't looking good. So, um, you know, we put our time in and we've never, you know, we've always been super loyal and dedicated to this team. So for it to finally pay off after all that time, it's great. And again, it's great for every single generation. I don't care how old or how young you are, but, um, you know, what I'll tell you is that the older generation that experienced it, they were extremely excited for us knowing that we had never seen it. Um, obviously they were excited regardless because they're huge Bills fans too, but I think their excitement, their excitement might have matched ours just for different reasons where we might have been overexcited because we've never seen it before in the first time, but they were, you know, the older generations were super excited to see that for us because they've always wanted that for us as well. So um, like after the game, you know, outside of the hugging, you know, we were playing, you know, my brother had a bottle of champagne ready in anticipation for the win. So we had some champagne and, uh, you know, he started playing, uh, uh, come and get your love by Redbone. And we're, uh, I got this great video. My, my, uh, my brother's girlfriend, one of my dear friends, Julia, she recorded it. And, uh, just, we we're just dancing around completely elated. Um, it was such such a great experience it was everybody was so 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 happy nothing nothing could have happened or nothing could have been said to take that away from us it was uh it it was one of my favorite memories you know ever that that's wonderful to hear man and i like how you point out like for the older generation that they're you know like you and your brother were able to experience a playoff victory you know they were happy for them but they were also happy for you to be able to have mm -hmm. that that experience because obviously you know when you really have nothing to do with it so you never really know if it's going to happen or not right you know there are just 
I mean, you, you never know how long the next drought can be, whether, you know, it's 25 years or whether it maybe it's even like Cleveland, like 17 years before we even got into the playoffs. You yeah. know, you just never know what it's like. So to see like sort of like how that uh, that wisdom kind of applies to their excitement too, where it's like, yeah, well, we've been through this and we're excited for it to happen, but we're more happy for you guys to be able to experience that. I think that's uh, I think that's encouraging to hear. Yeah, um, it's definitely, I mean, I was literally with my family, but it's, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a family, it's definitely got that family, um, family bond to it, you know, between all Bills fans, you know, especially, you know, me being down in Atlanta, you know, when I go to watch the games at the Whitehall Tavern, um, you know, most, like, I, I don't really know anybody there, but when we're watching the game, it's like you're in the stadium and you're high-fiving everybody and uh, you know, when I watched the Baltimore game there, people were coming over, giving me a hug and, you oh, know, we did it, we did it. And it was, you know, it's, it's, it's just, you know, it's just that it, it brings everybody together, you know, whether, you know, they're your lifelong friends or family members or complete strangers. But um, man, I'll tell you that the happy, like, you know, a, there's a lot of people that have been waiting for this. I mean, I, every, we've all been waiting for this for so long. So you know, the, the wins we got to experience this year were just spectacular. Everybody, you know, everybody I was with uh, for both games were, you know, when we won, were so, so happy, so excited. Um, everybody was best friends. Everybody, you know, everybody was just on cloud nine. It was, <laughs> yes, I'm disappointed we didn't win and we're not going to the Super Bowl. But, man, this season was, it was, it was a dream. It was so great. So let's let's go to the last the last two games then. Uh, Baltimore, you said, was the hottest team coming into the NFL or going into that week besides the Bills. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that was going to be a, a hard fought match. But you know, after you had won that wild card game, you know, were, were you just happy to finally see something, or did you say, okay, these guys kind of live up to the to the hype for this game now? Like, did you go in thinking that this was the game it was yours to lose? Yeah. Um... Yeah, I did. So, um, yes. Yeah, so we got, we, we got a huge monkey off of our shoulders with, with the victory against Indianapolis. And especially because, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't a week, it wasn't a weak team. You know, they were the seventh seed, but they were 11 and five. They were super good. So that was, that was a huge, uh, huge statement victory, but you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't go 13 and three and pull off that huge victory against a really good team to just lose the next week, especially when we're at home. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, you better believe it, me and everybody else, we wanted that, we wanted that, that Ravens victory just as much as, as the week prior. Um, because again, another good team, but we're at home and, you know, again, like, you know, to our, to our, our point earlier, you know, me and a lot of people were thinking AFC championship game for weeks now because of how well the bills have been playing. And again, just nobody, there's so many people that thought we weren't going to, beat the Ravens because the Ravens are always in the playoffs and John Harbaugh has been there how many different times and won us, you know, you know, won Super Bowls and everything. And, you know, it's Lamar Jackson and, you know, their running game was completely unstoppable for like six straight weeks and our, our, our run defense hadn't been good. So it was every excuse in the book to be like, okay, this is where Buffalo comes back down to earth. And, you know, this season was nice. It was a nice story, but this is where the, you know, this is where the contenders and the pretenders separate. So, yeah, I mean, that fueled our fire, too. And obviously, we didn't want the season to end. So it was huge. And uh, I was uh, I was nervous um, because I like yeah, it would have if we would have lost to the Ravens at home, even though the Ravens are a really, really good team. But if we we're going to if we we're going to drop that, 
I feel like then this season would not have, it would have, that would have been a really disappointing way to end the year. Um, you know, I mean, it's a bummer that we lost to the Chiefs, but if we would have lost to the Ravens at home in the divisional round when we were 14 and three at that point, you know, counting the the victory against the Colts and uh, we were rolling and you know, our offense could not be playing better, uh, that would have been a huge bummer. Um, so um, getting that victory was huge, especially with how the game went. Did you know anybody at the, uh, either game? Yes. So, so the bills, so we did, so the bills did not. So for anybody listening who doesn't know, the bills did not have fans in their stands all season long. We got the approval right before the postseason started to let in 6,700 fans, obviously uh, a tiny portion for, you know, the capacity of the, of, of the stadium, but who cares? Like I, I knew I had no chance to go to that game because it was all based on seniority um and you know uh one of my one of my buddies uh he's an old boss of mine in buffalo he's been a season ticket holder forever and he said that in 2019 there was 50,000 season ticket holders there's only 73,000 seat capacity so that's way more than half so and that's all based on seniority a lot of these guys uh a lot of these guys and ladies you know they've been they've had season tickets for 20 30 40 years so you know it, it was a it was a crapshoot so but two of my uncles had have had season tickets for over 30 years and they both got the opportunity to go to the wildcard game and they, they declined it because if you go to one game, you can't go to the other. So what they were trying to do is have as many different people go to these games as possible, which I thought was cool. So they took a chance uh, by not going to the wildcard game, which I thought they were kind of crazy. Um, you know, just having faith that we're going to win and have the opportunity to go to the divisional round. It worked out. We won. And, um, my uncle, my uncle Pete got the call. So he and his buddy who's had seasons for 30 years, he went. And then my uncle Mike, he and his son, my, my cousin Ian, you know, they've had season tickets for 30 years. Uh, I mean, obviously, my uncle Mike's been going a lot longer than my cousin Ian has. He's, he's only, I think he's 34. Um, so he got the call, but my uncle Mike didn't want to go. So he gave it to Ian and Ian gave it to my brother and then Ian's two friends. So they went, and then one, and then another lifelong friend of mine, Benny, uh, my buddy Benny Fazio, he's been a season ticket holder for 13 years, I believe. And he so he was the one that was a long shot. He got the call. So he and his dad, uh, Gary, got to go. So I knew, you know, for 6,700 people, I, I knew a good amount of people there. There was a couple of – I think there was a couple of other friends of mine that were, that were there, and I, I can't remember. But, um, yeah, so I was I was so thrilled that – Buffalo fan that just Bills fans are going to be able like even a small portion we're going to be there to experience this these victories that we've been waiting for these games and these big ones that we've been waiting for for forever but having you know my lifelong best friends and my uncles and my brother and my cousin all like those are all my best friends in the world having them be there and know how you know just like me just like a lot of people they've been diehard fans for their entire lives get to experience that and especially with how epic that game was, um, not obviously the shootout, but just like the way we won. Um, I, I was so thrilled that they were there. And when I talked to them about it, oh, it was it was so great to hear how that how that experience was in that season when when we won that game. And again, that was the biggest win we've had in 25 years. So long time coming. So knowing knowing those guys um, got to experience that in person was. I mean, and I'm obviously jealous, but I was just absolutely psyched for them. It was really cool. Yeah, nothing will – I don't think anything will ever be able to replace, you know, that first victory in 25 years. But, you know, if they go to the playoffs next year, which 
by all accounts, I don't see why they wouldn't. You know, right. hopefully you'll have the chance to go and experience that for yourself. Yeah. Um, well, if, if 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 COVID is behind us at that point, and I hope to God it is. Um, yeah, I mean, one hundred percent. You know, if if COVID didn't happen this year, I would have went back up to Buffalo for a few games, and I mean, I would have, you know, for the wild card game, I would have. I would have pointed up the dough for that. I mean, that's, that's an experience. Like I said, we've been waiting for, for forever. And I would have, it would have been amazing to be there. So uh, yeah, just like you said, I mean, I, I, I don't see, I don't think the bills are going anywhere. I think we'll be very, very good again. And um, you know, if we have, you know, if I can buy a ticket to, uh, to go to any game, I'm going to go to a game, but definitely a playoff game. I, yeah, I, you, you can, you better believe I'll be there. If they go to the Super Bowl, would you pork out the money for that? Oh, well, <laughs> uh, yes, but the money that I have, I don't think would add up to what I would need. <laughs> so, That's true. Unless like I have the best financial year of my life this year, which I'm also hoping for. But um, I don't know. Like having the Super Bowl in Atlanta here a couple of years ago and seeing the money that was here, I'm like, yeah. I, I'm not going to be able to afford a ticket for this unless something drastic happens, you know? So um, I would love to, but like, like this year, you know, obviously we're not that far from Tampa and, you know, you know, Tampa has, you know, obviously there's going to be fans there. Uh, my girlfriend, Bailey, she's got family in Tampa. So we had places to stay. So we we're talking about going, but you know, if I'm not going to be in the, in, in the stadium, I, I was just, I was going to go home to Buffalo and watch it with my friends and family, like we did for the playoff game. Um, so what I, I would love to go. Yes. But also I would rather be around like more of my friends and family that, you know, we've been waiting for forever to experience it with them. Cause it would probably just be me and one other person or whatever. So I, like, I'm sure if the bills weren't being, there would be absolutely amazing, but I'm also very, very big on like experiencing it with the people I want to experience these things with. So I wouldn't be upset if, you know, if the bills are in the Super Bowl and I don't have a ticket, I'm not going to be bummed out. If I, if I have the opportunity to, and it's not going to put me in debt for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> like that would be great. But, you know, as, as long as I can watch that game with all my friends and family in Buffalo, uh, you know, that's all I really care about. Yeah. I think I would feel the same way. Cause I mean, I've been to Heinz Field to see games, but, you know, you definitely want to be in a situation where you're able to, like, have, like, a good seat. Like, you definitely want to go for the experience, but you also want to be there because you want to, like, see good action on the field, sure. right? Otherwise, yeah. you could just watch the best view from your television. Yeah. So there's definitely there's definitely that happy medium between getting the good experience but also wanting to see the best vantage point at the game, too. Sure. Um, but as far as Tampa goes, like, I went to college in Tampa – and like uh-huh. that's a city that's perfect for the Super Bowl, I think, because it's kind of a smaller town compared to Atlanta, New Orleans, but it has like that same local vibe to it. You know, there's a lot of outdoor places you can go to, which right now is you know perfect to do. Sure, um, but yeah, obviously they're not going to have like a whole lot of media there, um, which is unfortunate because there's this parade they have every February called Gasparilla. I think it may okay. be a, a little later, but it's kind of like their version of Mardi Gras where they have just floats coming through the entire city. Uh, people throw beads. Everybody's dressed up like pirates. It's really it's really a fun That's time. Awesome. It, it's a city that knows how to enjoy itself, so I look forward to see what they're going to do for uh, or how they're going to make the best of Super Bowl. Yeah, especially with uh, with the hometown team playing. That's uh, I mean, that's a dream. 
Now, for the playoffs in total, how have you felt about them aside from like the uh, the Bills' success? Well, um, they've been they've been good. I thought so. I thought the Tampa Bay Packers game was great uh, before the Bills played the Chiefs. Um, I mean, I mean, just the matchup for championship weekend was great, or championship Sunday Sunday, I should say. I mean, Brady and Rodgers, you know, probably one and two best all time quarterbacks. I mean, that's debatable, but they're both obviously in the top five. Um, you know, so two guys that have dominated the NFL for the past you know, 15, 20 years. I can't remember how long Aaron Rodgers has been playing. Um, and then, you know, the two guys that are, uh, you know, taking the league over, you know, that are going to be, you know, they're going to be the face of the NFL, two of the biggest faces in the NFL for the next 10 plus years. So I thought it was great. I thought, I thought all team, I mean, the bills, you know, didn't play great, but um, I mean, all four teams brought it uh, Tampa Bay and, and green Bay. That was a super exciting game. Um and uh, even though, you know, the Bills didn't pull it off against the Chiefs, it was pretty amazing to watch that team do what they do. Um, you know, it, the Bills didn't bring their A game, but even if they did, I don't think we could have beat Kansas City. It, it's incredible to see them just completely do whatever they want against whoever they want. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, the all the Bills playoff games are really good. Um, yeah, I think the players this year have been really good for the most part. I mean, Kansas City and Cleveland was a tight game. Um, I mean, that was cool. Like, you know, you see Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the NFL, you know, one of the best players in the NFL leave. And then Chad Henney comes in. I didn't even know. I honestly didn't even know if he was still in the NFL until yeah. he came on the field. And he came in and he made the plays to win the game. I mean, that's I love NFL playoffs. And uh, I think this year they they have not let they I haven't been left wanting. I, I think they've all been pretty much all of them have been really, really good games. See, I, I, I disagree, man. Aside from the Colts, Bills, and the NFC Championship game, really, I haven't been too impressed with any of the games thus far. Really? I mean, actually, I, you know I think, what? The, the well, Chicago I, and Williams game was a snoozer. So let me oh, backtrack on that. That one was not good at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that one had snoozer written all over it. Yeah, that's the afternoon nap game. <laughs> I, to me, all the games thus far, I think, have kind of turned out the way that people expected them to. And there's just not a lot of big moments that happen from the games. Aside from the, the fourth down throw from Chad Henning, uh, Chad Henning, I don't really think that there's been too many other plays that have stood out from this playoff. Aside from the Scotty Miller touchdown right before the, uh, or at the end of the half. Yeah. You know what? That's actually, that's actually a good point. There really hasn't been any upsets. Um, unless if you want to call the Cleveland against Pittsburgh game an upset, but I think a lot of, Pittsburgh I think was a lot one, of people, Pittsburgh was one half away from losing six games in a row. Yeah. So um, I think, I don't think people are too surprised at that, even though that game was a blowout. Um, I enjoyed it because I appreciate Cleveland because just like the struggles that I've mentioned as a Bills fan for my whole life, they've been pretty much neck and neck with us. So very similar fan base. So I was loving it for the Browns fans for them, even though it wasn't the most exciting game because um, it wasn't very close, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the New Orleans-Chicago game was a snoozer. Um, I enjoyed the Browns games. You know, and honestly, uh, after the Bills beat the Colts, um, I was kind of tuned out from those games. I was so excited the Bills won. Um, so I didn't watch a ton of the Rams and the Rams and Seahawks and – can't remember what the other game that day was, but um, so so from what I've seen, I've been I've been pretty pleased with outside of the New Orleans Chicago game. 
But yeah, there hasn't been a there hasn't been an upset with their which there normally is every well, year. Well, like so last year, that element has been missing. Yeah, last year with Tennessee, they were like the dark horse that came yeah. out and really just by surprise got to the AFC Championship game. And even last year, I mean, like um, I think a lot of people had projected Kansas City to win the Super Bowl, but just the way they won their games was absurd. I mean, in the divisional game last year against Houston, it went from being a blowout to being a close game to being a blowout. Yeah. yeah that's wow. not something you're going to see very often, but you know that that's the kind of things you enjoy seeing in the playoffs, and I just don't think we've had those same kind of stories. Yeah. You know what? That's a really good point then, Aaron. I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll, I might have to backtrack off my initial statement. I mean, I don't think outside of the New Orleans Chicago game, I don't think they've been bad games, but they haven't been as exciting yet. Last year's playoffs were incredible. Yeah. Uh, for, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah. Houston was up on Kansas city by like 24 points. And then Kansas city scored like 38 unanswered points or something like that. And yeah, yeah. Tennessee uh, beating the crap out of Baltimore and then beating New England and yeah, so the playoffs last year were incredible. So compared to compared to 2019, yeah, I'll say that this this postseason has been kind of a letdown. But I don't think it's been terrible, but definitely not as good as last year. Where do you think we uh, go from here with like some of the quarterbacks that we're talking about, like with Ben Breeze, Rivers? Well, Rivers is officially I, retired now. Yeah, I, I think it's the changing of the guard. I think it's been uh, what's been building up for the past couple of years. Um, you know, with, you know, with the Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, Russell Wilson has been around for a while, but still he's not old yet. Um, Kyler Murray, um, can't remember if I said Josh Allen, Josh Allen, obviously, um, uh, you know, Joe Burrow had a really good rookie year. I mean, like a lot of these young quarterbacks are really coming into their own. Baker Mayfield had a good year this year, nothing spectacular, but good. Yeah, we're talking about guys, you know, Breeze, Brady, Rivers, Roethlisberger. Um, you know, they've been, you know, they've been around for all of them over 15 years. That's a long damn time. Um, which, you know, we've been spoiled rotten by it. Um, but you know, it's been the same faces for a long time. And now it, it's gonna be weird once all these guys are gone and I don't look forward to it. Like I thought it was, you know, I thought I was bummed out when Peyton Manning retired and you know, I mean, Rivers is gone. Always loved watching that guy play ball. He was, you know, he was just such a competitor. Love, love watching him. Love Drew Brees. Um, you know, he's just that's the most accurate quarterback I think we'll ever see. Um, you know, Roethlisberger. I mean, how many? I mean, these guys orchestrated so many amazing, amazing football games um, over the years. And you know, Tom Brady. As much as I am looking forward to his retirement, it's going to be weird when he's when. It's going to be weird when all these guys are not playing, but I do think the NFL is in really good shape with these guys. Like, you know, I mean, Mahomes, unless, unless that guy just decides to retire in two years or something, you know, some horrific injury happens, he's probably going to break every record that's ever had that has ever stood. Uh, You know, Josh Allen looks like the future super bright for him. Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, you know, Russell Wilson's not going anywhere anytime soon. Joe Burrow looked like he had a ton of potential. Justin Herbert, oh my gosh, he was so good this year. Where did he and come from? Nowhere. Uh, I did not see that coming. Um, I don't think anybody did. So well, there's so many good quarterbacks that I like. Even though these legends are going to be retiring, and like I said, I'm not looking forward to that. I've loved watching these guys play for pretty much the entire time I've been watching football. But I don't think we're going to miss. I don't want to say miss a beat because I don't think that'd be doing, I think that'd be doing a disservice to the legends that I just talked about, but 
I don't think there's going to be much of a drop off really, if any, with, with all these guys we're talking about that are so, so good right now. And this, like, those are just the guys, like I didn't even mention Dak Prescott. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good talent at the quarterback position right now. Yeah. It's just weird because this is obviously the first time where we're going to see a lot of guys we grew up watching. And I think in some ways it's weird that that those amount of guys are still having this long of a career. You know, I think there was only a few guys back, you know, through the 90s or the 80s that lasted that long. Um, you know, obviously Elway did, Marino did, um, Montana. You know, you had a few guys that were still there. But, you know, to have like, you know, five or six guys that are still sticking around, you know, into this year is pretty is pretty strange. But and with Tom, you know, Tom looks like he's going to play until he's 50. I, he's probably not, but. It's just incredible how the guy just looks like he's able to rejuvenate himself every single season. Yeah. Um, excuse me. <clears throat> I wouldn't, <clears throat> I would I wouldn't put it past Brady. Excuse me. Hold on. <laughs> <Go ahead. clears throat> I, um, I, I wouldn't, I would never bet against Brady. Um, that guy, <clears throat> um, I'm, that guy's just a machine. He just, the determination that guy has is, I swear to God, he's like a robot. He just nothing. He's just the ultimate, ultimate, ultimate competitor. And uh, I mean, he's really, really smart with his body. Um, you know, he's been, he's had that, he's had that one trainer that has been apparently been taking him to the fountain of youth every single year. And I mean, Brady had another great year again. Um, I don't, I can't remember what his numbers were, but he had a really good statistical year. And he was showing up and, uh, you know, in the championship game this, this past Sunday. I mean, yeah, he made some boneheaded throws, but he also, you know, threw some absolute dimes and won the game. I mean, he's in the Super Bowl again for the 10th time. Oh, my gosh. It's half crazy. Of his, half of his career has ended in Super Bowl appearances. Uh, it's What, what, what was it like, like for you? Like, you just got to, as, as, as annoying as it is to see him in the Super Bowl again and again and again. You just can't – you got to appreciate greatness when you see it. He is great. Um, I don't think we'll ever see – I mean, yes, there's quarterbacks that are more physically talented. They might have more records, um, you know, statistically. But, man, out of the success that guy's had, I mean, it's just he breeds success everywhere he goes. Um, well, every well, team every team he has, all the different coaches and coordinators and, play, and teammates that he's had, obviously he shows up to Tampa in year one. They go to the Super Bowl. It's it's nuts, you know. So I, I definitely appreciate it. He's, I mean, these guys are just the greatest to ever do it. But um, and it's going to be weird when they're when they're done playing. But it's going to be cool to see this new crop like have it be officially their league now. You know, once yeah. they, all these guys, uh, that that'll be that'll be that'll feel kind of weird for a little bit. But you know, that's also exciting at the same time, especially when one of those guys plays for the Bills. <laughs> well, and plus too, I feel like when. When you see a new player when you're older, I, I don't think you have like the same childhood attachment that you do to the player that you see when you're young. So I feel like in that sense, maybe you just get to enjoy the way they play more so than when you are a kid. Because I think you just kind of have like this sort of heroic image of them. Because yeah. I, I remember my my friend growing up was a New England fan. So and that was before New England had won like their second trilogy of Super Bowls. So there was still there was still that brief debate about um, you know Manning versus Brady, uh, where to Ben fit in that picture. So it was always like a fun, it was always a fun way to, 
you know, keep everybody engaged in that argument. But yeah, when you see guys like, you know, Justin Herbert come along, who I thought was so fun to watch. I mean, the only game I had seen of his in college was the Rose Bowl game where he rushed for three touchdowns, which, you know, it's good, but he didn't look all that impressive. And then he comes out and does what he did this year. You're just kind of saying, all right, you know, now it's good, I think, maybe just to enjoy the new crop that's coming up and not get, like, too emotionally invested in any of them, but just to appreciate yeah. for what they bring. Yeah, they're – and that's the thing, too, with uh, kind of like I mentioned earlier, just uh, players in general are just – have you know, they just get more athletic every single year. And that's, you know, these, these quarterbacks where, you know, we're talking about – you know, you know, Breeze, Brady, Manning, Rod, well, Rodgers is very, very, very athletic. Um, you know, Rothis, you know, these guys that were, you know, obviously good athletes in their own right, but they weren't as dazzling yeah. as, you know, like Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Josh Allen. Um, you know, these guys, they can just do whatever they want physically, you know, and instead of, you know, as well as be super smart and be able to dice teams up, um, you know, uh, you know, with what's going on in between their ears. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a different, it's a different breed for sure. Like you said. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think, you know, like the great ones do last forever and I'm, you know, I'm hoping that's going to be the case for Josh Allen and all these other guys, except I, <laughs> if Mahomes wants to retire early, that'll be okay. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's just a different level where it's, it's, you know, especially once they get, as these guys are getting older and the game slows down and they can predict things before the snap and, you know, they're going to be able to manipulate defenses that much more and then combine that with their freak of nature, you know, off the charts, athletic ability. Um, you know, it's just going to continue to, to get more and more just mind blowing. You know, it's just how good these guys, these young guys are. What was it like for that four hour period where you thought that you could potentially be facing Brady for the 21st straight year? Uh. It was, you know, it's funny. I, uh, <laughs> some people were calling me crazy that overheard me say this, you know, because they're like, okay, you got the Chiefs. If you guys win, you know, do you guys want the Packers or the Bucks? I'm like, well, I don't want either because obviously they're both really, really good teams. And it's like, well, you want Brady or Rodgers? I'm like, well, again, neither. That's a lose lose scenario. But, um, I think, I think Rodgers, well, Rodgers was the better quarterback this year. I think he was the best player in the NFL this year. Um, but you don't ever want to play Brady ever, especially in the postseason, because that guy, <clears throat> the bigger the game, the better he plays. And he's been in the Super Bowl so many times and you get a guy that's just so at home in that kind of game with as good as he always is. Yeah, you don't ever want to sign up for that. But, you know, that would have been a perfect way to cap. I mean, that would have really been the perfect way to cap off what would have been a Cinderella season. I mean, it's, it's still been for the Bills, but like, you know, to win the division for the first time in forever, you know, to sweep Belichick, you know, the Bills sweep the entire AFC East for the first time ever, um, you know, 13-3 tied for the best regular season record ever with 1991, one of the years we went to the Super Bowl, um, you know, go to the AFC Championship game, go to the Super Bowl, and if we're going to beat Tom Brady, you know, the auth- you know, pretty much the author of the Bills' misery for 20 years, that would have been, that would have been the storybook ending for any Bills fan, you know, so, but obviously it didn't work out. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid had something to say about that. So, but, uh, you know, I don't think Brady's going to retire after this year. So, and we got Tampa Bay next year, so we'll get to play him again. Um, and hopefully we'll come out victorious, which hasn't happened many times for the Bills when they play that guy. (laughs) So you said you can never bet against Brady at this point. Are you taking Tampa Bay to win the Super Bowl? Oh, no, no, no. Except, except for this game. 
so I, I think it's tough. It's it's tough, buddy, because both teams are really, really good. And uh, Tampa Bay's got a very complete team. I mean, they're they're doing everything that you'd want them to do right now. Their passing game is on point. Tom Brady's in the zone. Uh, running game is very, very good. And their defense has just been playing absolutely lights out. And obviously, you know, once you get to this point, I, you're like nobody gets to the Super Bowl with a bad offense. So your offense is one. But if your defense is really clicking – like like Tampa Bay's is that is dangerous because they you know how many times have we seen the defense win the game you know no matter what the off you know how good the offense that they're playing is just, but just last week yeah exactly I mean I mean to be able to be able to pick off Brady three times and then you know only give up six points yeah that's huge it's, uh, yes but you know what like but watching watching the Chiefs last week. Um, there was there was literally nothing the Bills could do. Uh, you know, I, I I thought our game plan was 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 pretty good, um, but just they they were just so they were just so much better, which is crazy because you know, like I say, you know, the Bills were fifteen and three walking in, you know, going into that game, you're having a dream season, you know, best quarterback play in a regular season the Bills have ever had, um, and you know, we were we were rolling, we were you know. We won however many games in a row. I think it was like seven or eight games in a row or whatever that was. Uh, offense is playing great. And, uh, yeah, we were very healthy going into that game. And, you know, the Chiefs were a little bit hobbled up, or at least, you know, so it seemed on the injury report. And they they just did whatever they wanted. And what I didn't expect is that their defense was so good. They, I mean, we had all of our receivers this year were outstanding. You know, Stephon Diggs led the league and. Uh, catches and yards. Um, Cole Beasley was an all pro. He had his best year as a pro. John Brown was healthy. You know, that guy's a stud when he's healthy. So we had him, Gabriel Davis. Um, you know, Kansas City's defense hasn't been great this year, but they just locked down our receivers and we could barely move the ball. Um, our run game was never really good this year, but we couldn't run the ball at, you know, whatsoever against the Chiefs. And they, uh, our receivers just weren't getting open, which is not something that the Bills have dealt with for this entire year leading up to that game. And then defensively, just like I was mentioning, the motions, and then uh, Mahomes was, you know, where he was hobbled up with that toe. That was not an issue for him whatsoever. He was doing whatever he wanted. And Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill completely dominated. Now, they're great players, and they're going to make plays against anybody, but those three were completely unstoppable. Um, Just we could not keep up with the the motions pre-snap, and – like we had guys that were running. I mean, our, our defense played super, super hard, but you know, Mahomes would just make these freak throws when he's off balance. He's being tackled. He's throwing it to literally the only the, the his receiver has the only opportunity to catch that ball. And Kelsey and Tyreek Hill and um, everybody is just making these outstanding catches. Hill is outrunning everybody. He's embarrassing people with his with his uh, quickness. You know. They they were so on point with everything they did. Uh, like I said, even if the Bills brought their A game, I don't think they could have beat the Chiefs that day. Um, no, I'm not saying that you know if the if Tampa Bay plays lights out that they can't win. Of course they can. But watching watching what the Chiefs did to the Bills last week, um, almost you know with ease against you know the Bills who had you know we had such a great team this year. If if, if the Chiefs play like that again. Um, I, they're probably going to win the Super Bowl. I just can't underestimate Tom at this point. You well, know, I, I really, I really believe that Rodgers was really going to 
go for the jugular in this game. You know, I, I thought after a decade he was going to really come out, just be on fire and go to the NFC Championship game. And I, I just got the feeling, you know, from that very first pass that uh, Brady hit to Mike Evans, that big, like, 27-yarder in the beginning of the game, you just kind of felt like, okay, they're not going to make this uh, an easy game for Green Bay. And they just came out with – just passion that I don't think like, I don't think it was just Bruce Arians either. Like, I think he's a great coach or I think he's a, a very good coach, but I think some of that is just Brady just acting as a motivator for that, for that squad and him just, you know, forcing everybody to play up to their level or to the best that they can. So oh, yeah, I, I really think that somehow, some way Tampa's going to pull it out. Yeah, I mean, uh, and don't get me wrong, I'm not. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did because they got a great team, and like like you said, Brady's been there ten times. Um, you know, they got a ton of talent. Their defense is, is killing people. Um, you know, Devin White's an absolute superstar. I, I, JPP is still so good. Um, you know, their defensive backs have been playing great. I mean, it's just every level of that defense is playing at such a high level and against really against great offenses. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm definitely, I'm not counting out Brady for sure. I mean, I think this game can kind of go either way and I, I don't think either, whichever team wins, I don't think it's going to be by much. Like, I, I think it'll be a single possession game, but, um, again, it's just, you know, if, if Mahomes and company play like that and Andy Reid is just having another masterpiece of an offensive game plan. And if they're and if their defense and if Kansas City's defense, especially the defensive backs, can play like they did against the Bills, arguably you know the best wide receiver and core in the NFL against another very good one, I mean, I don't, I don't know how you beat that team. Like I, I'm sure the Tampa Bay will score plenty of points and it'll be a hard fought game. I don't think it's going to be, you know, uh, a landslide victory one way or another. But Kansas City just seems like they're in a league of their own. Patrick Mahomes definitely is. That guy is. When when he, when he's in the zone like that, which is almost all the time, it, 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 with the weapons he has, and you know the play calls that Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy give him, uh, it's just it's like impossible to stop. Well, it's like we talked about earlier. I think that the Chiefs are kind of the one team where I feel like the offense has to contribute just as much to the defensive game plan as the defense, mm-hmm. and I can't really think of another quarterback who could do that better than Tom. So yeah, we'll we'll, um, we'll see. I, I'm not I'm not saying that you know Fournette or uh, Jones are going to get you know a ton of carries or that they're going to crack 100 yards rushing for them to have to win this game. But you know I, I get to see this being a game where Tom feels like he just has to take over either in terms of scoring or just in terms of you know playing uh, like ball control offense. So. Yep, and he's phenomenal at that. Um, you know, he's done it for his entire career. He gets the ball in everybody's hands in a myriad of different ways. Um, so, yeah, if, if they can do that, I mean, that is the key, like I mentioned. You know, if they can have a very methodical offense and chew up a bunch of clock and keep their defense on the sideline, um, who's, like I said, they're already they're already playing at a, at a premier level. Um, so have that defense playing that good and have that well-rested, um, you know, against against the Chiefs' offense is huge, and yeah, if, if, if Brady and company can do that, which they have every every type of ability to to be able to do so, yeah, I mean that could that that will probably be the key to their success. I think it's going to be an awesome game, um, but like, and, and I really could go either way. 
But if the Chiefs play like they did against the Bills Sunday, like I, I, I don't even think that Tampa Bay, as good as they are right now, can stop that because I don't think anybody can. Yeah, well, I think one thing is for certain: this was the best quarterback matchup for the Super Bowl that the NFL could have dreamed of before the season. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, it's it's we talked about the passing of the guard. This is the ultimate passing of the guard. Yeah, and uh, not for nothing, it would be great to see Brady lose. And uh, and for Mahomes to, uh, you know, if they're going to beat us, they might as well win the whole thing. So, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be a great game. And um, I don't know. I, I just, you know, both of these quarterbacks, like you said, I mean, it's the ultimate matchup. So I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, man. So before I let you go, a year from now, for the Bills to be in the Super Bowl, what do they have to do? to take that next level and ultimately get to the big game? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, whether it's in the draft, whether it's in free agency. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, obviously the chiefs aren't going anywhere. So um, it's uh, find a way to beat that team, um, which, you know, I mean, it's, like I said, it's easier said than done. I mean, they've only lost like what, four games in the last two seasons combined. So um what the Bills need to do, so our run game needs to improve. Um, excuse me. Um, our, our passing game was fantastic, and I, I expect our passing game to be very good again. We need, we need, uh, we need improvement at tight end. Um, Dawson Knox was disappointing this year. The you know our tight end group was very mediocre. Um, but I mean, we've all seen what a you know what a difference um, a game breaking tight end can make for an offense. You know, obviously in Kansas City, we we're just talking about. Um, run game needs to improve. I think our offensive line could be better. Um, they were really good at protecting Josh Allen this year, but run, run blocking. They were not very good at all. Um, I, I like the talent in the backfield of Singletary and Zach Moss. Um, but we can definitely get better there. Um, I like those two and I don't think it's their fault that our running game wasn't great this year, but, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind us adding some talent and then defensively we need to get uh, significantly better. Um, which is going to be tough. Matt Milano, our stud linebacker is a free agent. Um, he's incredibly important to this defense. He's another guy that, you know, when he wasn't on the field, a la, like, you know, Feliciano, like I said, you know, it's an enormous difference. So um, really can't let him walk. That, that creates a huge uh, huge hole if, 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 if he does. But we our run defense has to improve dramatically. Um, all right, they were they were not very good this year. Um, hopefully, Starla Tulley comes back and he can kind of get that back on track. We need Ed Oliver Ed Oliver to take an, uh, uh, the next step in his progression and his development. Our pass rush really needs to get a lot better. If, if there's one thing I could put it on, our pass rush needs to get way 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 better. Um, you know, Jerry Hughes has been a very good player for the Bills for a long time, but he's you know he's um, you know, he's nearing the end of his, his career. Myro Addison is still a good player, but he's 32 or 33. Um, you know, we were not able to get pressure on the quarterback with a, with the four man rush, which I think is, is critical um, to succeed in today's NFL, especially against these quarterbacks. That we've talked about that um, not only are really great athletes, but will kill you when you blitz them. Um, so we need to get, we need to get better with our pass rush up front is probably the number one thing, because when you're playing against these teams, when we're playing against Mahomes, uh, you know, you know, now Justin Herbert and all these other guys that, 
um, are not only athletic, but they're developed enough uh, intellectually that, you know, if, if they see a blitz coming, they're going to go right where that vacancy is and just chew you up. So the Bills did not have that this year. We really didn't have it last year either. So we need to find a real a stud pass rusher um, on the edge um, and then combine it with, you know, maybe, maybe some second-level guys that are really good at blitzing. Um, don't let Matt Milano walk. Improve the improve the front four. Get better against the run. Those are big things. Um, and then, yeah, we've got to improve the run game and ideally get some better production out of the tight ends and then – our second, probably the last thing, um, our, our, the starting cornerback position outside of Tredavious White has always been kind of iffy. You know, Tredavious White's so fantastic, so we're spoiled rotten with him. And then our safeties, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, are as good as any safety combination in the NFL. But it's kind of been a rotating door uh, opposite um, Tredavious White. Like, you know, it's been Levi Wallace and a combination of people. Last year was him and Kevin Johnson. This year was him and Josh Norman. Um, if we can get another, it doesn't have to be shut down corner, but top level cornerback, um, that would be huge. So pass rush, uh, pass rush and run defense need to get market need to get much much better. Uh, second cornerback spot could be improved, and then uh, run game has to get a lot better. We're we're not we're not going to be a running team next year. Our passing game is too good, but we need to be more effective. When when we need to run it, we need to have the ability to, and we did not have that this year, and that you know that hurt. Well, in the slight chance that Sean McDermott is listening to this podcast, maybe he's taking notes right now. So uh, he's a lot smarter than me. So <laughs> I, I don't I would, know, man. Fans yeah. know best, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All right, man. Well, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I'm glad you came on again. Um, hopefully, we can do this again down the road, dude. I always love having these conversations with you. Yeah, I appreciate it, Aaron. And uh, you know, once again, thanks for thanks for having me on. I, I love talking ball. Our conversations are always great. So whenever, uh, whenever you want to call me and have me on again, I'm more than happy to do it. This is, this has been awesome. Once again, happy here. Take care, Charlie. All right. See you, buddy.